Black Star Radio, and today being Mabo Day, that is observed in the far north through the Torres Strait, the NPA, and also through Dimaji. On the phone with me now, I have Mrs. Rhonda Zither and Mrs. Leanne Ober. These ladies are the nieces of Eddie Mabo. Their father and Eddie Mabo were brothers. Ladies, thank you very, very much for your time. Good. Okay, oh, you must be on speakerphone, are you? Yeah. Rhonda, if I could start with you first, just before we went to air, you were saying that you were with Eddie. In fact, you were his first secretary at the school that he had in Townsville in 73, was it? Yes, first secretary. Uh, I think just after I left school, really. How did you end up being the secretary with, for Eddie Marbo? Well, I think he was looking for somebody and he came around home and asked, can I come and work for him? And I said, yeah, all right. <laughs> Where were you at this stage when you asked? I was in Townsville. Townsville said hi, and then I finished. And um, I think I was working at the prawn factory. And then he come home and asked if I wanted to work for him. So I said, yeah, all right. So I did that. Because this is the school that Eddie started in Townsville, was it? Oh, no, this is just for him, you know, as business. The black community school came later on. My younger sister, she ended up going there to that school, the two younger sisters of mine. What was it like knowing Eddie back then? I think we sort of more or less known him all our, all our lives because our dad is his eldest brother. Were you with him through the days when he was going to Cook University and then finding that he couldn't yeah, get yeah. the things we all, we all lived there in Townsville, so, you know, we just sort of knew him back then, him and Artie. When it started to progress, when he started talking to the James Cook University at the age of uh, 31, and then was realising that there was inequities with Indigenous communities, how did that all start for him? That started from the time when we had to get on a train, but there was segregation back then, you know, black and white, and I think that sort of triggered him off for that, to start the fight. Because I was only small, and I rem- this is Leanne here, sorry. It's okay. I remember um, marching in Black Power time, you know, in Townsville. I remember that. And then I remember getting enrolled into the Black Community School back then. It was all interesting because when I used to go and visit him as the years went on, and he used to sit and talk to me about what was he doing. And uh, because I was that young, I didn't know what he was talking about not realising that he was talking to, you know, or he was talking up for human rights for the Indigenous people. I mean, we're only going back to the 1970s, are we? Yeah, he started way back then. What was he doing to start the legal proceedings for recognition of, of land rights? How hard was the battle? It was hard because there was a few of them that was all in it, but some of them passed on, some of the elders, like the Evelyn Scott. Um, all I know is that he was fighting a cause. I was a teenager, but he didn't understand it at that time until later on in years. Because at that stage, the authorities uh, believed that the land was crown land and theirs belonged to the state and the country, but it did not belong to those that lived on it. Yeah, true. And that wasn't right. The old people, they told us stories, you know, a lot of stories, you know, and um, that's imprinted in everybody's, in Indigenous people's heads, you know. Back then, you didn't write it down on paper. It was just stories passed on. And what were those stories about? There were stories about the island and which land, and you're not allowed to cross over into another man's land without permission. Things like that, you know? When to go hunting, 
Watch these and don't take too much. Are these stories that you are also passing on to the younger generation? We still pass it on. We pass it down. Like I pass it on to my kids now and that's instilled in them. So the oral traditions and the oral histories are still very much alive within the people. It's alive, yes. It's alive in the community. And the struggles that Eddie went through and the other people that were associated with him, you said that you didn't quite understand it when it was happening, but do you realise how enormous the the effort and feat was? Because I was only a teenager. I I think I was in grade 8, I think, or 7, something like that. Yeah. And um, I remember travelling from South Australia to Queensland, you know, just for a visit. And he'd tell me the stories then. He was building himself a boat back then. And so he would tell you the stories of what he's Of his the family? island, yeah. Of the islands and sing, singing songs and language. Pretty intense yeah. sort of time. Yeah, yes, it was. So, Rhonda, if I could just ask you, you are from Karatha now in WA, so you're over visiting when, of course, this lockdown happened. What was yes. your, What do you remember of Eddie? Well, I think after I finished working for him, that's when I left council and I left uncle. I ended up finding myself a husband then. <laughs> yeah, and then I just went, I went my way then, so the rest of the family stayed. Your memory of Eddie? Yeah, it's pretty good, you know, because stories get passed on, doesn't matter where I was in Australia, been around, so we never ever forgot one another, especially the family. We always kept in touch. Even with Auntie, Auntie Netta. What's your best memory of him growing up or when you were working for him? I think my best memories would be he he was outspoken and he was a well-educated man, you know. People probably look at him and think, you know, who's this man? But no, he was well-educated in his own right. I know Eddie had passed when the decision came down from the courts recognising land rights and what has now become known as the Marbo. What were your thoughts then, knowing that he was so successful? Well, it was very sad, you know, that, that he did pass. And, and after we heard the court's decision, I think that was a sad moment for all of us, for the family. But, you know, I just wish he was around to hear it. After all the hard work he put in, you know, fighting up for the Indigenous people, not just the island people, the Aboriginals and the Southie. All I know there, Rhonda and Leanne, you two have an amazing heritage. You two have an amazing uncle and an amazing stories. I'd love to be able to sit down with you one day and just talk for hours. Unfortunately, we don't have all that much time. But thank you so much for your letting us know a little bit of what it was like to be with and being part of the family of Eddie Marbo. Yeah, thank you. Because a lot of people don't know some of the stories. Ladies, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. And a very special pair of ladies on Marbo Day.